Hello and welcome back to the Shift Space podcast. I'm Tim Davies and I'm joined by... Hey guys, I'm Tony Heinderman. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us and uh, letting us fill your ears uh, whenever you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you. So I kind of want to have a conversation before we hop into the podcast today about why we're doing this. This is episode two and I think you kind of uh, should have the audience know our kind of mission behind this yeah, like why are we doing this right like why are we putting this together and why are you listening <laughs> main point of this is to engage or encourage you you guys right you all to to engage um, with each other on knowledge of different topics um, and opinions and your own ideals and ethics um, and just 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 talk about it right i feel like this podcast is an invitation to just go out and um, talk about these crazy things. And I feel like that kind of leads us to the topic of this week, this week's podcast, right? Yeah, and I think we're going to try to provide fresh angles and fresh lenses uh, to issues, like you said, that we're thinking about a lot and maybe don't talk about in the right ways. And I think that kind of leads us into the, this idea behind today's episode Tony, go ahead and kind of explain what the idea behind today's episode is. So this week's topic is, we're calling it Far, Far Away, Racism and Shrek, both one and two, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, Shrek one and two. Uh, we're not getting into three. I think yeah, I think we're going to leave three alone. I feel alone. like that exists. What? That's just two and a half or something like that. I, feel I, like I think there's well. even there's one a and a half. Four? No, do they, there's a four. There's definitely a four, right? That's what it, well, like, clearly... We're clearly not experts in the Shrek cinematic. Listen, universe. we're not making this 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 episode to talk about how much we know about Shrek. <laughs> we're talking about the first one and the second one, classics, all time American classics. Yeah. So I think kind of going into that, people might be asking, okay, that's a little weird. Why? Why are this? Why is the connection being made between Shrek and race? Because I don't think that DreamWorks went into the studio. Mike Myers went into the studio to record his lines as Shrek to make pointed social commentary on, on racism. But I think that the movie uh, kind of has a lot to say, kind of about how we treat other people and, and prejudice, um, that I think has a lot of relevance to our conversations about racism today. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you're right. There's no way that DreamWorks was like, let's make a movie about race. But they definitely, in in writing this movie there's no way that there's they didn't they're not making direct references to um to race and social commentary right like i think we can look at uh uh, we can look at the the magical creatures in in the shrekiverse as a direct reference to minorities and other socially oppressed groups um in the real world right (laughs) yeah And, and i think for that to work as a like piece of comedy it has to come it has to be informed by something that we all implicitly understand socially that like prejudice and racism exists and it leads to like extreme things. And and I think that for, for Shrek to even be representing this, it's just an imitation in a way of life, you know, so to say like you know, life imitates art or art imitates life. However you see that, um, I think that this, movie um either intentionally or unintentionally has a lot of ways you can 
look at it through that that lens yeah i'm for sure there's definitely like um like I, you could probably go down the list of characters and just do a one for one on like the what what com social commentary that they they ended up making like i remember the big bad wolf right and them doing like a i think there's a trans joke in in the first movie about the big bad wolf and like um obviously there's th that big bad wolf being one of the magical characters it's that it's it's a unintentional wink and nod at the that at the world of the acceptable level of um transphobia right that that existed at the time that that was written and i think that like that is a direct example of of what you're talking about right um i don't you know the word for it i don't know the word for it but when life imitates art or or art imitates yeah. yes there you go and I think you could probably go down the whole cast of characters and do that. I know, like Pinocchio, right? Like Pinocchio is is <laughs> is, is obviously yeah. supposed to be this flamboyant boy. Like I I just watched the second Shrek, and um, he he has he's wearing pink. Like there's a part where they're trying to rescue Shrek and 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 yeah. Donkey, right? And never the the part where he's like, are, they, are you wearing women's underwear? And he's like, no, I'm not. And his like nose starts to grow. Um, and they needed his nose to grow, so they're like they keep making him deny the fact that he's wearing women's underwear. And, um, but he's a little boy at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, just... <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, we, we could draw these, these parallels. And I think one of the strongest, um, pieces of these films that, that kind of plays into this is, is kind of where the center of the plot is, you know, Shrek and the other magical creatures are getting, uh, rounded up on the basis that they are magical creatures. You know, I yeah. do have humans in this world that aren't magical creatures, and, and I suppose, obviously, in our analogy here, you know, that's the in-group and the out-group, you know, is For the magical sure. creatures. And, and like, at the core of it is Farquaad's just racism, right? He just hates them. He has an, he has internal internalized racism because his dad was a, as a, one of the seven dwarves, and he has this inferiority complex because of it. And because he hates himself, he hates magical creatures, right? It's like a direct reference to what, like Hitler, <laughs> him being part Jewish and like not having blonde hair and blue eyes and thinking that that's what the best thing is and we need to kill everybody, like and round them up and everything, right? Like and, and like them being rounded up and all of the all of the the fear, all the fud, right? The fear and uncertainty and yeah. doubt that the that Farquaad seeds into his kingdom based on his own insecurities. It's um, it it just that's a direct example to how internalized racism has become into the system, right? It's like it's people always complain constantly about how how can we be ra like, oh my gosh, did you see recently what um Lindsey Graham said? Uh, not specifically. What do you did you not see that? Oh, there's that video recently. He said he went on some news. I think it was some. It was Fox, and I think um Chris. Uh, oh, I I can't remember his name. But the guy on fire, I don't watch those. You know, I don't Chris watch. Chris Wallace? Chris Wallace, that's his name. Chris Wallace. Uh, Chris Wallace is asking him if if ra internal racism, institutionalized racism was a problem in this country. And he said, I don't think so. He said, we just had a black president. <laughs> we just had a black president. Like, and we, the, the and fact of saying that is like an acknowledgement so that, like, 
hey, we got one, right? Like, oh my goodness. He's like, we have a like, South, we have a, a vice president who's black and Southeastern descent. So there's no way that we have that there's racism. No way. Um, no way. And it's just like, wow. And the fact that that's exceptional has nothing to say about. As, and the exactly, <laughs> the exactly. The fact that you just yeah. said that, it doesn't make you think. Hold on, what? What did I? What? You know was I mean? there previously a system that was allowing the, you know, Th- that was allowing this to happen? And, and now yeah. it's and now it's a part of the system. It's like you, you yeah. cannot just be like, oh, the, there's no there's no cabal. Like, I love that word now. I think I think the uh, yeah, I, I love that that it's a normalized cabal. Um, there's no cabal of like secret racists at the top who are pulling all the strings, right? Like maybe there are some racists that, who have a lot of power. I'm not saying that's not true. It probably is very true. But what I'm saying is it's not like there's a secret organization. A lot of the times people are just a part of a system that is super, super, super racist because it's been set yeah. up by racists. And because of yeah. how bureaucracy works, no one knows how the whole system works. No individual knows how the whole system works and like – can control it. It's only it's all a bunch of parts that were set up, and and the people who set them up understood that, so they set them up in a way that benefits them and doesn't benefit us, like everybody else. Yeah, and there was another like aspect of Shrek that I'd kind of thought of, um, or were two aspects that I want to talk about actually. One from Shrek Two, which I know you recently rewatched. Ah, oh, great where, movie. Uh, I, it's such Fiona's a Fiona's dad is like super. Anti ogre. Yes, he's so anti ogre. Um, and ironically, he you know is a magical creature himself. You know, ultimately, mm, um, mm, ain't that the way? <laughs> ain't that so, the way? You know, and, and, it, and I, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I broke. I stopped you. Go ahead. I said, there's a lot about identity in the Shrek movies as mm. well, and, and like accepting your identity mm-hmm. versus like pushing it, like trying to. Um, Oh no, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm. I'm. I'm normal, right? Like, I'm not a match. You know, like it's. It's interesting. Like uh, Fiona, example, in the first movie, she accepts her identity as you know an ogre, and she yeah. like becomes. You know, she she chooses that path. Yeah, and no, I like, think you know the movies are saying stuff about that. That's too. something she gives up, right? Like she gives up being human. So yeah. or or doesn't give up because I make it sound like being human is better, but like she stops. She gives up what she's used to, what she's comfortable and it has with. Privilege. And it has privilege. I, yeah, in and it does have society. privilege. She 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 gives that up to be for love, right? And that's obviously something that the movie explores about like sacrifice in a relationship. But more than that, I think you're right. It does really it does really engage with identity. And I think like that is sort of the whole the whole point of oppression, right? Is that you remove the identity from a group of people. And when you remove the identity of a, from a group of people, they now have to spend their time and energy redefining themselves and finding a new culture. And, and while you get to profit off of that, you know, system that you've set up. And I think that like, like, okay, you could take, you could take that thing about um, the anti-ogreness, right? All the way back to the first, you could take it all the way back to the first movie, right? At the very first shot, <laughs> the, oh my, not the very first shot, but like opening sequence, right? When he's like cleaning himself, there's the part with the, with the, um, the notice, right? The wanted poster for the ogre. And the drawing is like this disgusting, like awful <laughs> right. picture of an ogre, right? And he's got that thing like in his in his space. This yeah. is not – he is innately – not innately. He's um, intimately aware of the perception of not only ogres but of himself in the to his community, right? 
Right. It's, a, it's where they're all, it's like how they'll always show, like the media will show like mug shots. Yes, ex- that's exactly you know, what I was, versus, dude, that's exactly you know, what I was going to say. Family photo. Yes, you know? perfect. It's exact that's exactly it, right? It's public enemy number fucking 1. This it's a it's a it's a media representation of of who you are and where we put you, right? And what makes Shrek so um different as an ogre within his within I guess we don't see other ogres in the first movie, but we get the assumption based on how he's acting is that he doesn't give a fuck, right? So he's the bad Badass, like he's the badass rapper, the fucking NWA of his time uh, of ogres, because he's like he's he's doing like his thing, but because he's accepted that identity that that the that the institution has assigned to him, he has this inter- internal identity struggle that we watch. That's the pl- plot of the movie, right? The whole onion, ogres like onions. That whole fucking thing about unpeeling him back and finding out that he's not just this. Scare big, uh, scary ogre, and um, and that's it, a great thing to bring up. Yeah, yeah. The, the layers. I mean, I mean, it's because we we are so quick to view people, or in society and media, whatever, is so quick to view people as the surface of the onion. Mm-hmm. You know, without mm-hmm. peeling back layers. Um, and I think it's actually a good transition, uh, really quick, actually, into part two. So there's data out there uh, that analyzes um, news reports and looks at the way that they portray, um, you know, crime committed by black people versus crime committed by white people Mm -hmm. and how there's a much stronger tendency, uh, first off, that, you know, if the crime is committed by a black person, that that's mentioned and mentioned multiple times. Right. And then they also will say things like the black community mm. far more often than they'll say the white community. Right. Um, so as to like associate, I think, do more like associative uh, things in people's heads. Like, oh, the black community yeah, and this crime the fact, the fact that associated. You, the fact that you just yeah. said that, I have never heard somebody put, say, white community and black community together like that. And, and Because it really makes you realize how fucking bullshit it is to say black community. When the fuck do you ever hear somebody say the white community? That makes no fucking sense. Yeah. It makes no it innate it just like makes you go like what? Because apparently, you know, there's so many different white communities. But when you say black community, that that all yeah, no, I mean <laughs> you know, black people. Yeah. That makes that it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about um, media and how media portrays race and how that kind of affects human psychology and, and our, our culture as somebody who's like in engaging with with media um professionally i can i can speak i we can i, I you know permission to speak anecdotally i was once taking a class i say once this was in the last like two years uh, i was taking a class online that's how i know it was in the last two years because it was during the pandemic at some point and I was just engaging some somebody who was also a minority. He was he was a Hispanic person, and he was the only other minority in the class, which is something that I've become very, very, very accustomed to um, being in the arts. and And we were talking, and he he and he had brought in an audition for um, for the class, an audition that he had just gotten, and 
yet and he he was preparing to do the audition and the audition was for this ridiculous pilot that was him playing a native had him playing a native american person who ended up being i don't know like taken or something or kidnapped or something and like raised to or like ended up putting in a weird experiment or something i don't know something strange right and we were reading the it doesn't really matter the point is he was we were reading the the script um for the audition and it's completely ridiculous like completely off the wall he's got a crazy offensive native american name he like speaks broken english he's a, a moon shiner or something and he, we were just talking about their audition and we were like god this sucks you know this <laughs> this sucks like why are, why are we why are we forced to do this dumb crap like why are we like still playing these stereotypes right um and i think yeah. there's there's obvious rep- uh, there's there's plenty m- so many studies i mean if you type in media and stereotypes there i there were so many studies to choose from that prove that me- re- media representation is is important for your association in p right there's there's plenty of those so so um we were doing the association and he was talking to me and he, and and we we're, were talking about that and he was like yeah i never experienced racism directly to me to my face until i got in into this industry and it made me think like yeah you know you're right i think i've had experienced racism sure out in the world but the first time i experienced it and the most the more the, the most time the time i experienced it the most the places where i experienced it the most were within the industry within the the media industry right because it f- feeds on stereotypes it runs on stereotypes right yeah i mean that's what drives you know people to um like when you keep building on this stereotype idea people you know bought into it so much and it's sensationalized right and we all know that sensational things are what you know draw people to uh to media and it's kind of a disgusting uh perversion of our you know psychology to feed for media to irresponsibly i think feed uh this bias so heavily right. um according to uh representation matters report by the national research group um two and three black americans say they don't see themselves or their culture represented in movies and television and 86 percent of black americans wanted to see more of themselves uh represented on the screens and i think that kind of speaks to the point that like how important it is and i think as people know because media sometimes is some, the only way a lot of people have exposure to other people groups and thought pattern, you know, different ways of life. And when they're presented incorrectly, um, people are going to create terrible, terrible assumptions. And so it makes sense that you want to be represented well um, in media uh, to be treated fairly. Exactly. And, and one of the things that's important about m- being represented in media, it doesn't just mean, it doesn't just scratch the level as far as my career, which is acting, right? Getting hired to play a black role in an all-white production with an all-white writing team and an all-white directing staff is not power, right? It is not, it doesn't speak to the power of, of uh, it doesn't give, lend or give power to, to black voices, and it doesn't provide a platform for those black voices because, it, it, because it, it, you're giving the, the, the position that has no power um, uh, and the illusion of representation uh, to a black person. So I think that, like, 
there was a study. So the the Pew Race in America study in, in 2019 um, touched on on touched on how two thirds of of Black Americans would rather watch media that was produced by black voices. Because what we also often find is that in media produced by black people, that there are way more varied opinions stated, right? There's way more varied uh, and nuanced conversations happening amongst the, the characters on screen who you can see yourself in because they have your skin tone or they have your culture, they speak your language, but they're not just one thing. They, they are conservative, they are liberal, they are um, fierce, they are sweet, they are night. They, they are everything, right? They're scientists and they're also artists and they're, ev- they, you know, athletes. And, and I think that, like, that is something that speaks to the experience of a person being represented on screen and not just your skin tone, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think we, we have... We don't have enough, you know, representative media. But you know what media we have more than enough of is uh, law enforcement television. I yes, dude. I oh my gosh, did you, you know? Every city's got their own PD. Oh my, every you know. Yeah, dude. Speaking um, of, I pulled up. Um, I pulled up just out of curiosity earlier, literally right before we got on. I pulled up out of curiosity the top twenty uh, rated TV shows right now, and out of the top twenty, we have ten of them. Are no nine of them are law enforcement related shows, not including Chicago Fire because that's not law enforcement. So NCIS, FBI Most Wanted, SEAL Team, Blue Bloods, Law and Order, Magnum PI, 911, Manhunt, just so cops. There's so many. Yeah. Just it's so a, it's so, just so many. disproportionate. Um, you know, and even Shrek has a uh, an, an homage to this. <laughs> In Shrek 2, Shrek right? Shrek 2, yes. Yes. The, uh, the, it, right before the part I was talking about with, with, the, with the Pinocchio part, the reason why they're locked up, when they're, when they're trying to get back uh, to, to Fiona after they turn into a human into a, into a horse, yeah, man, when, they get, when they're getting beat up, Donkey says the, the police brutality, police brutality. I mean, it's right there. It's right there in the face of it all in a kid's movie, right? And we all just like yuck, yeah. yuck, yuck, laughing it up, taking, taking it in. But it's so normalized. It's so normalized. I mean, we grew up watching those things, understanding that it's just something that happens to, to, to a certain group of people, right? And it's not only is it normalized yeah. that the people that, that, that this is the people it should happen to, it's normalized that this is something that is going to happen, right? The fact that police officers right. exist and do that to people is really uh, and it's just 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 a part of the society a part of a healthy happy society in which we have enforcers of mm-hmm. the system's power yeah and you know i was thinking the other day about how someone was like you know uh we need law like we need police officers we need police officers like you know what is a police officer's role and if you think about the 13th Amendment, right? So if you think about 13th Amendment and, you know, legal slavery and, and the prison system, which is a whole other episode, a whole other week's topic, we can go into all that. Uh, really, if you if you think about it, then America owns, like, like what is it, 90 million slaves or however, how many people are in, in prison now? Um, technically. A lot less than that. Right? Or what, what's, the, what's the actual thing? It's like, it's like six uh, million. Nine, nine, oh, I said 90. Ha, I meant nine million. Um, so six million, way less, six million slaves, and like, the, and and law enforcement officials. I'm sorry. Are, let me. I let me. Let's, let's correct the record. There. Let's correct ourselves. 2.3 yeah. million. Yeah, two point three million people incarcerated. In the United okay, States so two point three million people. Six hundred ninety-eight per hundred thousand. Now that's still the most 
No, no, no. It's right. That's why I was like, this is a shit fucking, this is yeah. a shit ton of slaves. Okay. It's the most of the entire world. That's what everybody needs to know. That's what everyone, that's the important part, is that it's a lot of fucking slaves. But they're all slaves. That's essentially, it's essentially what they are, right? Like, like no, well, like. It, it listens, that, so, insofar as the, the prisons where they're getting, like, used for labor and, like, super, Right, a hundred percent, right? Yeah. And But even, you don't need to be, like, like, paying them is whatever. It doesn't matter how much we pay them, because that's what they are. So... Enforcement and of conditions that. are terrible. I mean, that's actually oh, a whole yeah. other podcast. Oh my god! Yeah. Again, a whole other week, a whole other time. But but the point is, is that that is the same system in which it's, we see in Shrek Two, right? Like they're thrown in the fucking dungeon, and the assumption is because it's like medieval times, they probably would have been thrown into slavery or something, or like to work the fields or something. Like is that is the representation? That is the exact direct, directly analogous to, to what's happening now in the private prison system that we have in America, and and this police like pseudo police state that we live in is being encouraged by the media that we watch yeah yeah and i mean just some quick information on that like how how this prejudice like directly um results in like completely un like disparate prison sentences um african-american adults 5.9 times more likely to be incarcerated than whites hispanics 3.1 times more likely to to end up in prison and the sentencing uh, as well, among youth, African American youth, 4.1 times more likely to be committed to secure placements. Mm. American Indians, 3.1 times more likely. Hispanics, 1.5 times more likely, and much more likely to get the the harshest sentence, um, and everything like that. And so, like these are the the real impacts of this policing system um, that is so entrenched in in uh, racism that's just aided by our media. Um, the real results are people people's lives being ruined yeah um by the you know from the color of their skin yeah people's yeah yeah all this going on is going to lead to something let's just move forward let's just move forward in the plot of strike one and strike two right like let's just chug along because how do those movies always end they always end the same way. We look at the, the all the hero movies, all the kids' movies um, that have heroes. They always end with the same thing. Like the, all of the um, magical creatures, they get together, right? They they get they 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 join together uh, to to increase their power as a group. Um, Shrek like collects his friends. He goes and gets big gingy. Right, which is so sad, man. Rewatching that movie where he gets that big, like Shrek 2, yeah, Shrek two, man. when he get the giant gingerbread man made to die, so sad. But, um, but there's a there's a revolt, right? There's always rioting. There's always rioting, constantly, right? And and it just it just really um, begs the question: When is it okay to riot? When is it when is a good riot good, and when is a bad riot bad? That is such a relevant conversation um especially in the face of i think two significant you know civil you know unrest moments in our country recently i think one being uh black lives matter protests and then you have the the capital insurrection which i think form a very interesting oh yeah <laughs> juxtaposition to each other and mm-hmm. like how they're treated how they're talked about how the events rolled out because I, I think like yeah. they they are pretty pretty interestingly equivalent as far as like yeah. one being on the one side of the spectrum uh, politically one being on the opposite side of the spectrum one taking months to roll out right the do- the do- what um, the death of of George Floyd happened last year last year 
two a year mm-hmm. ago, over a year ago now, and um, the riots and and protests happened all over the summer. Most of them largely peaceful, um, and then some violence at the end, versus the the quiet distaste and quiet um, distrust of the government, culminating in one violent. Very, very violent riot. At, yeah, you know what I mean. It's it, they're they're yeah, completely opposite. Yeah, let's point out some of that that data. Um, as a matter of fact, just people. It's so common to depict the Black Lives Matter protests in negative lights. As a matter of fact, the sto- studies do show that the violent aspects of those protests were reported on far more frequently than the peaceful aspects, which was way way more than the violent aspects. There were seven thousand seven hundred and fifty different demonstrations linked to the BLM movement across more than 2,440 locations in all 50 states and D.C., and 93% of those were entirely peaceful, no violence, no destructive activity um, whatsoever. Fewer than 200 locations actually ended up having any violent incidences. And when you just think about the sheer volume of people and anger and, and justified anger, well, then, of course... Of course, these things are going to happen. And I think it's funny that the same people who are very quick to condemn, you know, the Black Lives Matter protesters who are protesting about systemic built up oppression for hundreds of years, you know, are going to be super quick to also but to to, to idolize like the American revolutionaries. (laughs) Exactly. That was that was good protest, right? No, that's great. That was acceptable. That's that's the protest that birthed the nation, right? Right, but it's not acceptable for people to to protest about, um, you know, race and mm-hmm. something that's built up over hundreds of years from slavery and segregation onward. You know, so it's it's okay. Is it more important? You know, is the CVS's windows you know more important? Is a Macy's than the lives stock? of black people? Is that what people are trying to say? Essentially, I mean, that's, that's what you know something by like Tucker Carlson is trying to say. I'd say, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. um, I think it really loses the. The human thing there, when you try to point to violence in these numbers about damage, right. I mean, you're really forgetting the human toll and the very real place that this all comes from. I, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's when you're more concerned with um, looting than you are with the purposes of the riot, right? Like, um, I think it's interesting to, to to talk about looting as it relates to rioting, right? It's it sort of seems like this natural byproduct of it right looting either is the point of a riot sometimes if you go back going back to history there are very there's various class riots in which um business centers are raided or um uh oppressive like workforces or like factories are raided that kind of stuff where you like loot you steal everything in which as a form of protest um that's not what we're seeing here what we're seeing here is mostly opportunistic looting or um you know, opportunistic looting as it relates to a riots. I think generally the fires that started in the area around that target, for example, in Minneapolis, um, didn't start because people were trying to steal all the stuff out of target. But once the target's on fire, you know? So I think that, like, it's one of those things that is something that the media can grab onto. Then um, You can plast it all over the news, and it's something that you can demonize um, a mo- you can demonize like uh, a movement with um, looting happened during the insurrection, right? Right? <laughs> plenty yeah. of plenty they, of looting. They took the podium. They took plenty of stuff out of Nancy Pelosi's office, laptops, What's, you know, etc. Plenty of things. You know, 
And and importantly, <laughs> looting happened during the civil rights movements, uh, riots. People, looting happened during the 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 freedom riots. The, uh, yeah. F- f- during the revolution, looting happened. It, it's not like looting all of a sudden yeah. takes away the moral um, importance of, of any movement yeah. or any source for, for a riot. And that doesn't mean that every yeah. riot is good. It just means that, like, it's often a tool that's used. And it's such a shameful thing. We never talk about why, like, stealing or looting or why people might be doing that or, like, you know, and it's something that's like you know, the destruction of black businesses or, or black-owned businesses or, or minority-owned businesses or LGBTQ-owned businesses during something like a you know Black Lives Matter protest that goes turns into a riot is often used as an example as why the whole thing is moot, right? Because here you are destroying the thing you just say that you're trying to protect. I think that, like, you, can, you can't compare the anatomy of a riot to the anatomy of a movement. Yeah. Not the same and I thing. think the perfect thing, I mean, the perfect example, I mean, not the perfect example, but, like, just look at the anatomy of the Capitol riot and how, like, completely crazy that got, you know? Right. The anatomy of something, like, that's kinetic like that, that that's, that's occurring in a mob. Um, it grows. It's insane. That's why, you, that's why you see all these old people, <laughs> like, wandering around in the Capitol, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. they just got caught up in this kinetic thing. Um, but, unfortunately, I think the media, especially, like, right-wing media focuses on like that they'll, they'll really overplay that aspect like oh look at these they were just wandering through taking pictures in the capitol and they're not going to show you the other footage you know the the huge swaths of conflict happening with police officers i think 140 different police officers were assaulted um in the uh capital insurrection wow. and you know that's out of the minds of you know right-wing media now but how much they Oh my gosh! How much they harped on those Black Lives Matter protesters, oh, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's it's completely um, unequal the coverage. Yeah, it's absolutely unequal, and and purposefully, right? And and it's not like oh, like praise of of liberal media. It's not like CNN is any better at like <laughs> being fair. <laughs> but but I but I also feel like it, this is the game, right? Like that's the game of, of of coverage. The whole point is that it's it's you're watching entertainment. You're not watching like forced to be fair news right like it's there's no law saying that they can't uh embellish the truth or or purposefully show certain things and not show other things to to then misrepresent the the scale in which things are happening but uh just to say you shouldn't you know trust that kind of stuff or you should like test your knowledge and that's the kind of the whole point of a podcast like this right like to engage in these conversations because then you start to when you really start to look at like the reasons why a person um people might might want to gain power right like if we go back to you know um if you go back to the reasons why a person might want to gain power um there's a really interesting talk by a man named eric Liu about the six elements of power um, you have your physical force, right? Being able to physically control somebody else and make them do what you power defined as making somebody else do what you want the power defined as making somebody else do what you want them to do. Um, you can use physical force. You can use your wealth, right? You can use state action, right? Through policy or like force, uh, um, you know, or you holding know, a action. giant tournament, uh, pitting your knights. Right, right, uh, right. Gladi- gla- gla- gladiator, gladiatorship, you know. Um, Rescue Fiona? Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> that was such a good scene, too, when he starts fighting all those people. And he just sort of, like, he feels that, that like, 
people praising him and just immediately turns to do what they want to do, right? Like, immediately, like, all right, cool. Um, So, right, that's a great example. Uh, Social norms, right? That's a a very strong one. Ideas are power. And um, there's power in numbers, right? Just having other, um, so many people, um, majority, that's how our our whole system, uh, democracy, runs on the power of numbers. Um, but there's a few laws of power that are really important that he also talks about, too, is that power is never static, right? If you're not gaining, currently gaining power, then you are decaying it. You never stay at your current, your, your, your power level for any period of time. It's always flowing, um, which is the second law. Until it exceeds 9,000. Until it exceeds 9,000, which is the limit, actually. It's the power limit. <laughs> um, power is constantly flowing, so something like policy is, is an attempt to control that power and set it, right? Um, and then power compounds, right? Power begets power, and so does powerlessness. Powerlessness also begets powerlessness. So, like, if you if you if you keep that in mind that you're constantly either losing power or gaining power, then something like the beginning of Shrek and the end of Shrek, it's pretty clear why the um, talk about Shrek one, why the mis- the magical creatures revolt, right? They had no power at the beginning. They were all separated. They were. Um, had, had uh, negative social norms. They had the idea that they could never revolt. State action was against them. Um, they were all poor. They had no physical strength. But when they're all at the end, they're together, right? They're all actively ignoring social norms. They all have the idea that they have the ability to revolt. They all um, have the opportunity to, to – they see – Shrek creates the opportunity to overturn state action, right? That's maybe less easy than the other ones. Um, they still are poor, but you don't need wealth apparently. <laughs> and – they use their physical force, and then they use their physical force to exert their power, right? It, it is the anatomy of a riot. And I think that that is seen both in the insurrection, and it's seen both over uh, in the many, many um, riots across the country over the, last, over the summer. In, you know, in my opinion, one of them is justified in the way that, like, there's actually a group of people who are oppressed, who are ex- exerting their power in a way that they didn't have before they gathered and became a part of a protest if that makes sense if you yeah. if you're a bunch of if you're if you already have privilege and power through these other methods you know, through one of these elements then something like a, a riot is just an exhibit of your numbers it's not an exhibit of like newfound power all right. Yeah, and uh, all to say that uh, we should end whenever America falls. We somebody has to sing "I Need a Hero," and it has to be set to the <laughs> the end of Shrek Two because that is one of the best endings uh, to a movie of all time. Thank you. Uh, you know, people stuck around and listened to our conversation about uh, Shrek and and racism and. Uh, kind of policing and, and rioting, looting, uh, and all the nexus between those elements and kind of how we've gotten to where we are. Thanks for joining us for a, a deeper dive on something where we can get behind some uh, layers. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. <laughs>